episode 78 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world and fandom of Avatar. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And today we continue our Avatar comic book recap with part three of the Search comic book. Now, we're going to switch it up for this episode because we know lately our spoiled disclaimers have been very extensive. So on this episode, we are actually going to try and keep spoilers only to Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, as well as the Avatar comic book, The Promise. Before we get started, Kayla, how's it going? Um, I mean, I'm okay, you know, just kind of like it's a weird phase right now going between like finishing up two classes and starting up two totally new classes. So like this mm-hmm. week's kind of been like, oh, what do I do with myself? I don't have homework to do. <laughs> so <laughs> dealing with that. But hey, I'm fine with having nothing to do with that. Like I, I needed this week to just reset and all that stuff but in good sure. news i signed a lease for a new apartment and i'll be moving in the next month so that'll be fantastic Woo! Woo! yes where'd have that both happen for us like around the same time i know right like we were just talking before we started recording about like the the trials and tribulations of moving out and moving in of just like man this is like really hard i mean i'm yeah. excited about the new place but it's hard to get there <laughs> it is. My move-in date is March 15th. And yours is April 15th. Yeah. So that's another weird that's exactly That's exactly a month apart. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when I'll actually start recording from the new place. Because I'm probably... I'm going to keep my gear here for a while until we can figure out, like, space. Because we don't know what the place looks like. Like, we got to see, like, a model unit. But we don't know how exact that model unit is. And based mm-hmm. on where our apartment's going to be, it's going to be like the mirror. Uh, it's like flipped from the layout of the model. So we decided that we're we're going to be moving things out in stages because we just we just don't know. We don't want to bring everything over mm-hmm. and then be so overwhelmed and not know where to put stuff. So, yeah, I totally get yeah. it. I'm, I think mine might be have to be a phase move out, too, because that weekend um, that I'm moving is Easter weekend and my siblings are coming out to my dad's place for Easter. And uh, so there's so that's going on. And they're driving up the same day I'm moving in. So mm-hmm. there's just a lot of stuff going on that weekend. So I might have to spread it between two weekends myself of like, you know, yeah. taking, moving all the big stuff to the new apartment and then having, you know, the old apartment and cleaning it and all that stuff. So it's going to be an experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is, this is like the season of moving for a lot of people. Like my mom is moving in a couple of weeks. Um, which also means that I still have to go and pack the stuff that I left there because I can't keep it at her house anymore because she's like downsizing quite a bit. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah. It's a lot. Been, it's, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. But this, this <laughs> we were talking about it before, like this podcast is, is nice to kind of just like stop our crazy week for just like an hour or so and just talk about Avatar. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, you know, the show's really coming clutch. Absolutely. It's just it's just nice to have that built in every week for us. Like we record on Fridays and so we just have like, okay, at least on Friday, like I cleared my schedule for at least an hour and a half just to talk about a fictional world for a bit. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's definitely become it's it's definitely gone from like, you know, I feel like it's definitely like my relationship with the podcast and like what it means to me has definitely changed over the, you know, almost two years now that we've been doing this, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) crazy to like, you know, being something that was fun, helped me get through, you know, some of the pandemic stuff to like, you know, becoming just a section of self-care, if you will, even if there's work involved putting this podcast together, it's something that's just like, I don't have, I'm not getting graded on this. I am not, you know, it's not part of my job that I'm getting paid for. It's just something that I like to do with my friend. And I'm just really grateful that we have this space and time for 
this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I would I would also go as far as to say that I think this podcast has turned into like almost like a career project for both of us too because it's it it did start out as like we're in a pandemic, we don't know what to do with our time. We need something to like escape together for like just an hour or so. And now like just the nature of the kind of work we do, it's, I mean, it's the stuff, the work that I put into the podcast and the work you put into the podcast is built into our work week. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely like a, a, diff, a very almost like, I don't want to say professional endeavor. Cause that makes it sounds really like stifling, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting to like see how the podcast has transformed and it's also transformed into a, in a way to like network with, other fandom members and stuff and just um and just yeah meet like the really nicest and sweetest people absolutely but yeah Mm. all right let's get into the news let's do it so a couple of news items that we want to talk about today um recently a new avatar board game has been announced titled avatar the last airbender fire nation rising and this will actually be a cooperative card and dice game that gives players the chance to fight uh, Fire Lord Ozai, and you will be able to play as Aang, Sokka, Katara, Toph, and Zuko, and you will work together with other players to unite the four nations. The release date is still TBD, but this is cool. We're seeing more expansion of the Avatar IP into different kinds of like you know um, board games and stuff like that. And um, I don't know. I said when I read cooperative card and dice game, I was just like Avatar Monopoly, basically. <laughs> So that's and like I the don't, opposite I, of cooperative when it comes to Monopoly. That's that game destroys that's true. families. That's true. That's the opposite of cooperative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this will be uh, really interesting. Um, no, also no details yet if um, this board game will reveal any new canon. Um, but yeah, definitely keep your eyes on that. And um, speaking of new canon, um, me and Kayla are aware that. The Avatar Legends role-playing game uh, has been unveiling some new official Avatar canon in their game. And as much as we would love to talk about it, we're actually not going to discuss it for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, we don't want to talk about the new canon without giving people the chance to just go and play the game themselves and find out. It would kind of be like us talking about the new characters in like Rise of Kyoshi or something without actually like delving into it or recapping it or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just, we're going to leave it to you guys to go and seek out that new canon. You can also just look it up. A lot of Avatar accounts have been posting, uh, Avatar News in particular has been posting the new canon. So if you don't want to play the game and you just want to go, you know, find out the new canon, that's available too. But we're just going to let that be at the discretion of you guys, mostly because I also would prefer to learn about the new canon in that format. If we ever get to it, maybe on the show or off I would the love show, to. you know, we were talking so. about this beforehand. Like, I was like joking. I'm like, I watch enough critical role to know exactly what I'm doing with this kind of stuff. And I don't, but I do watch a lot of critical role. Uh, but that would be a fun episode to try out. Have you ever played role playing game before? Like, no, I, haven't. I, oh. I was literally in the beginning of, um, a D in D and D campaign right before the pandemic started. We had two sessions and that was it. And I still oh. never quite understood how to play D and D. So it wasn't, it wasn't a very, we got as far as like creating the characters and then that was it. 
Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, I mean, also, like, my campaign right now has kind of been, like, on and off. And, like, we haven't played a session since, like, Thanksgiving, I want to say, because people's schedules are just so hard to line up sometimes, yeah. especially because we play on weekends, uh, specifically Sundays. So that does, you know, make things difficult with scheduling. But mm-hmm. I will say, though, as someone who's been playing it, it can be a lot of fun. Um, Like, it's, I, I just like that it's the chance to, like, kind of choose, it's like literally choose your own adventure and, mm-hmm. like, it's just, and also, it's fun to watch people play D&D, too. Like I said, I'm a Critical Role fan. I'm just getting into that. And it's mm-hmm. just really cool to, like, you know, have everyone play a role in building a story together. I yeah. That's the stuff that I love about role-playing games is just the ability to work together to create something, you know, to improvise and, you know, work your way through pre-planned and improvised storytelling. It's just so cool. Yeah, I feel like I've been on the sidelines of D&D for a while, and... Uh, I wanted to start with my group of friends from college because we all were just interested in it. Um, but again, COVID happened and everything. So, and TikTok is constantly putting D and D videos on my for you page. Same here, which I'm fine with. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm like, okay, but like, I don't know what's happening or like how it works, so it's not as interesting to me. Um, and it's also just a little daunting. I'm already bad when it comes to like. You know, someone like explaining the rules of like a card game to me and I'm like, mm-hmm. just no, nothing's nothing's getting in there. <laughs> yeah, it took me so. it took me a while to get the hang of especially things like combat and, you know, um, that kind of, it definitely takes a minute because there's just a lot of stuff. But as you just kind of keep reinforcing it and playing it, it gets to be a little bit more comfortable and familiar so i will say it's definitely worth your time so we definitely need to like we need to we need to play D at some point before we do this avatar game because like i feel like there's going to be some similarities and differences between playing D or another role-playing oh, game definitely. and what this would be like so definitely, yeah. we'll, have to, we'll have to play D first <laughs> yeah <laughs> moving on a uh, free comic book day was just announced by dark horse comics um so thank excited you. about that yeah thank you to caitlin who sent it to us about like 20 minutes before we started recording um and it will be this new avatar one shot uh it's going to be written by meredith mclaren and will be released on may 7th 2022 um, as far as I could tell, there was no title, but the synopsis on the Dark Horse Comics website uh, says, both your favorite avatars return in two all-new stories from Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. Dive into the fun for free comic book day and expect excitement, familiar faces, and a hefty helping of shenanigans. Love it. So fairly vague I, on what the actual comic is about, but yeah, uh, yeah that's on the horizon for people who like to stay tuned for uh, free comic, free book, comic day. book day. Well, I got the, I have the, I actually have a copy of the free comic book day from last year. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was more Legend of Korra was the primary story and the secondary mm-hmm. story was Last Airbender. And I think this year they're reversing it with reversing Last it. Airbender being the primary and Korra being the secondary. Um, but hey, that would be kind of a cool, like, I mean, it would be a very, very short episode, but because uh, <laughs> these things are these is are quite small with the stories, mm-hmm. but but still, it's I love free comic book day. My friends and I would go to our local comic book store, and then I remember one year we went to free comic book day, and then right after went to go see uh, Civil War in mm-hmm. theaters. So it was just a big nerdy day. So there's a lot of fun memories associated with uh, free comic book day. So I'm excited to I have to find out where there's any comic books in the new area that I'm moving to. So yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say how does one 
go about procuring this free comic can you get it online or do you have to get it in person i think i'm not sure about the online options but i highly recommend going in person there's definitely Mm -hmm. there's got to be comic book stores in your area or you know if not i can try to see if i can go with like a friend or something and get you an extra copy and send it over to you well a barnes Um, and noble will do i don't know about barnes and noble i think it has to be a i'm not sure about barnes and noble but i know that there is a uh, and interested any comic book store should have participate in free okay. comic book day. Um, okay. but they have a like it's not just like you know they have like a bunch of different stories out there. I got one 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 year I got like a Doctor Who one. Mm-hmm. I got there's like stuff for Marvel, DC, obviously Avatar. Um, so it's just a, it's just a cool thing to see like these little, especially uh, if you're not super into comics and you mm-hmm. want to start like kind of scratching the surface and getting into it free comic book day is definitely a great place to start because a lot of the times a free comic book day stories are short and you know kind of a taste of what you can expect and then that way you can kind of find something that resonates with you gotcha. so gotcha. yeah but highly recommend it <laughs> cool and then our last bit of news we just wanted to plug quickly our friends over at cabbage con their kickstarter for the convention will open on march 15th um, so you can go to their website or their Instagram. I'm sure they will post links to it. Um, Kayla, you said I re- vaguely remember you mentioning there there are benefits if you yes. pledge to the Kickstarter. So they have different tiers, kind of similar, honestly, kind of similar to how Patreon works with the different tiers. Um, but if you donate X amount of money, you get a certain amount of benefits. Some of them include like if you donate X amount of money, you get like early access to ticket sales. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you donate more, you get obviously more benefits, including things like shirts and um, plenty of other things that I cannot list off the top of my head. But they have different, like I said, they have different tiers and different benefits associated with them. So uh, go nice. check out Cabbage Con and find out more from there. Uh, we're really excited for it. Uh, like, there's not a whole lot of information out just yet, but I'm just really excited watching their Instagram and other social media pages like promote this and like they have a, a poster now with a cosplayer as Cora as mm-hmm. an official like uh, thing. I keep seeing like some ads on Facebook for it, so I'm just really excited watching it grow and watching people talk about it because now it's gotten into some of the avatar fan groups I'm in on Facebook and I'm just like hey I know one of the organizers that's really cool just seeing them like the excitement grow around this especially because it's going to be almost a year from now right I think it's like March into April yeah. I want to say yeah sometime around there um and yeah uh, the the cosplayer you mentioned for Cora uh is tranquil underscore ashes on Instagram and um, I think I want to get them on the podcast. Absolutely. Because, I would love that. Chris, actually, my boyfriend, he actually interviewed her um, a year or so ago. He was working for, uh, or, you know, um, asterisks around working because it was volunteer work. But it was um, for an entertainment website. And he actually interviewed her. Um, and I know, I think KK tagged us in their post and said that we should have them on. Um, and Chris was like, well, I can get into contact with her if you, if you need me to. And I was like, absolutely. So be on the lookout for that. I think, I think that's a, that's a future guest episode for sure. Absolutely. It's just cool. Their cosplay is like amazing. Absolutely. I agree. I would love to have them on the podcast. So, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I just love it when we find new people to fight to talk to in mm-hmm. the fandom like who do all sorts of different art like i found someone who was involved with free comic book day last year who is now publishing their own um their own book 
So that's definitely someone that we'll definitely add to the list of guests. And hey, if you see a creator out there in the fandom who's making some really cool art or cosplay or any other forms of fan engagement that you think should be featured on the podcast, shoot us a DM with their contact info and we'd love to learn more. Absolutely. Or you can even nominate yourself if you're one of those people. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> That's how a couple of our guests have, have uh, managed their way on here. Um, but yeah, cool. All right, so that's all of our news items. Let's go ahead and get into the final part of the search recap. And dun, dun, dun. yeah, let's get into it. So while Aang Spirit is trying to talk to the mother of faces, Zuko is redirecting Azula's lightning, saving Rafa and Misu. Azula insists that the two of them are obstructing her and Zuko's search for their mother. And Zuko, finally realizing his mistake and trusting his sister, tells Katara and Sokka to take her down. At that moment, Aang appears and tells them to stop fighting as the mother of, pa- mother of faces finally appears before them. So you can see in the way that they drew Z- Zuko in that one panel of how he was like finally realizing that he he really cannot like control Azula, especially when she's in like paranoid state. And uh, you can tell that he didn't like telling, you know, Katara and Sokka to take her down. But, you know, they it had to be done. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So let's move into yet another flashback. Ursa is speaking with Norrin over a meal about the coincidence of his name being the same as a character in Love Amongst the Dragons. When he addresses her by name, Ursa becomes paranoid until Norrin reveals that he is actually Ikem, her long last childhood friend and lover. Um, I, I feel that it's like one of those things where like you kind of should have seen it coming. I don't know if you did Kayla, but he was like, uh, when he said that he was, Ikem, I was like, Oh, of course. Cause they already met Norin, uh, in the second part. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is one of many bombshells, uh, that is dropped yeah. in this part of the, the comic. Uh, not going to lie. I kind of knew some of the things that were going to happen in this arc because I did Google it long before I did this podcast. <laughs> Just disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah. I have been I have been honest with a lot of the things here, but I have not like I did not read this immediately before reading the search. But, yeah. you know, it was probably years ago after I'd finished Avatar. And now I'm like, well, what happened to Zuko's mom? You know, everyone has the same question. I'm sure like if you type it on Google search on the top search Avatar searches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did know that um, like I did know uh, I vaguely I remembered the hearing about the mother of faces and like the new faces and things like that. So it wasn't mm-hmm. as big of a surprise to me. Um, so I kind of ruined it for myself. because like, darn, I should have known I was going to make a podcast and recap this. <laughs> I was thinking yeah. myself, oh, I'll now, How I'll dare you? Never... I know, right? Oh, <laughs> How I'll dare you not have never... the foresight? Right? Oh, I was like, oh, I probably will never read the comics. Uh, so well, I'll just spoil it for myself. I just want to know. I need to know the answers. I don't need to sleep. I need answers. Uh, so I kind of, I'm not going to like kind of ruin this for myself a little bit years in advance. <laughs> That's okay. Um, Yeah, so back in the present, the mother of faces announces herself, admitting that she has strayed from her usual usual actions in the mortal world because the Avatar has asked it of her. Zuko and Aang hope that she will be able to tell them where Ursa is, so she explains that she may grant one favor to one person each season. So Aang tries to appeal to her and persuade her to grant them two favors, one for Zuko and one for Misu and Rafa. Um, and Zuko, after like some conversation with Aang, is ready to let Misu ask uh, the favor because you know they can just try and find Ursa by themselves. 
Until Azula breaks through it. and asks the spirit where her mother is. So then the mother of faces recounts how a woman of that name, Ursa, came to her years prior asking for a new face despite her beauty. And in order to confirm the woman's sincerity, she granted one of entirely plain features and she shows them the face and Zuko recognizes the new face uh, as Noriko, who, again, they met in the second part of um, the comic book. And when he turns around, Azula has already begun her trek back to Hira. Um, and at this moment, before I, I like learned more about this, I was like, there's no way that Ursa slash Noriko like, watched them walk in and have no reaction. Because I didn't know at the whole story at this point, obviously. But I was like, I mean, there's got to be something more to it. Because she did not seem phased at all, you know. So we cut back to another flashback. Ikem tells Ursa how he retreated to Forgetful Valley. Because he wanted to forget everything that had happened. And he met the Mother of Faces there. Who was gracious enough to give him his new face. Which he accepted. So that he could return to Hira without people like you know, being pitiful all the time around him. Ursa mentions to him how Ozai claimed to have found and killed Ikem and how his new face saved him. At this, Norn says that she can come with him to Forgetful Valley and receive for herself a new face. Although she would like to leave much of her life in the palace behind, her love for her children keeps her from agreeing. Instead, Ursa sees the prospect of returning to the capital with a new identity as preferable, as that would mean she could see her children without being noticed. She's still conflicted about what to do, but she agrees to go to the forest to find the Mother of Faces. And after living there for months, they finally find the wolf spirit again, drinking from the pool, and they uh, know that the Mother of Faces is close. Ursa admits that the last few months in the forest with Norn made her feel she had found her place in the world, making her unsure as to whether she wants to leave her children or not. Norn offers that the two of them could go retrieve the children and return to Hira, but she knows that this will only endanger them and her loved ones. But their conversation gets cut off when they find themselves face to face with the Mother of Faces. Ursa asks her for a new face, saying she will accept even the plainest face so long as it is new. The mother of faces senses much pain in her and Ursa claims that the pain is from the memories of her new life of, I'm sorry, of her old life uh, with her children. The spirit offers to grant her not only a new face, but a new mind without memories of her previous life. She asks if she will remember Norin and is assured that she will, if she does not want to forget him. Although she was told, she is told that she will not remember Zuko or Azula. Ursa does affirm her wish with tears in her eyes and the mother of faces obliges. And after receiving a brand new face, the two eventually leave the forest and become husband and wife. Whew. Okay. That's a lot. So, <laughs> so at this point I was like, uh-huh. Like what? Do <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was like, I could only imagine like on paper without like, the panels or the art or something, this would read as completely wild. Like if someone tried to summarize this to me without any context of the plot, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> work. And I'm just like, um, okay, but I guess this is what happened. Um, were you surprised by Ursa's decision to, you know, accept 
a new life with no memory of Azula or Zuko? Um, I mean, I was it's not like I was surprised by it, but I kind of felt like almost disappointed. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind. I, I the her decision invokes a lot of emotions. Like, as someone, I, I understand she's you know, so she dealt with a shit ton of abuse from her husband and, you know, and dealing with that with her children, like her children also receiving that same abuse and manipulation um, from their father. And so I understand kind of wanting to, you know, relieve herself of that kind of pain. Um, But I'm also kind of like a little upset with her for forgetting her kids. I get Mm -hmm. the whole rules of magic here and, you know, the spell and every, you know, the the whole, the, the, the conditions of this contract of the new face and new mind. Yeah. I get it, but I'm kind of just like, also kind of disappointed in it too. Like, you know, what would have happened if Zuko hadn't, like she wouldn't, she would have gone out the rest of her life if Zuko hadn't decided to go after her to try to find her. She would have gone out the rest of her life, like, you know, not remembering she had other children, um, you know, yeah. like, but also, like, she kind of deserved a peaceful life, too, because that was like, what she was going to have before Ozai ruined it. It's just a lot of, you know, it's just a lot of things going into this. Like, what are some of your thoughts on her decision? Because I'm kind of just, like, all over the place with it. It's hard because the complexity of it comes straight from Ozai. Like, he is the reason that this is so complicated, you know, because... On the one hand, forgetting her kids will help will help her, you know, gain that new life that she wanted before Azulon basically stole her from her family. Yeah. And, you know, maybe like secure a more stable future for her in Ekem and to have a child of their own without Ursa's like past feelings of her own children kind of, you know, bouncing off of or projecting onto the new child, you know? But then on the other hand, it's like, it's almost like Azula was a little bit right. Like, I'm not questioning Ursa's love for her, for her children, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's because the story didn't sell me enough on her decision to do that, or if it's just not, I don't know. It's hard. And I, I, think that you know living so close but yet so far from her children would also just add another layer of pain Mm -hmm. but i'm also thinking like you know zuko eventually becomes exiled would his path after that be different if his mother went and sought after him you know because if they were both technically exiled you know and how different things might have played out if that was the case but yeah i don't know i mean i I was with you like at first i was disappointed in her uh decision but it's like kind of get it kind of don't you know Mm -hmm. and i don't know if it is because like one scene she's like i'm not really sure but then the next scene she's like you know i think i will do it and i know she's still regretful but i think i just needed to see her struggle with the decision just a little bit more and you know Mm -hmm. i know the pacing in comic books is like really much faster yeah and i kind of just had to fill in the blanks for myself but i don't know to me personally it was kind of like do i believe enough that ursa 
might have gotten to this decision on her own. I don't know. You know. Yeah. But it's what happened. Yeah. That's what happened. It's canon. Yeah. So Aang, uh, meanwhile, continues to implore the Mother of Faces to grant a second favor. And this starts to piss her off even more and berates him for his lack of respect and reverence towards her. And she tells him to leave and to take his friends with him. And then the forest creatures are sort of like echoing her, saying like, get out, get out, get out. Um, and they're surrounded by all of these creatures and then try to fend, fend them off. And that's the end of part one of part three of the surge. <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird saying that. It's so weird. Saying um, yeah. But yeah, we're going to uh, continue to talk more about this and what happens after we take a quick break. We will see you then. Hey everyone, Andre here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check to make sure you are following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider leaving us a review and some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. And we're back with the final part of part three of The Search. So cutting back to the present, Zuko and Sokka uh, have returned to the village to Noriko and Norin's house, trying to protect them from Azula's advancing attack wherever she comes from. Uh, Zuko knocks on the door while Sokka stays outside as a lookout for Azula. Um, the family is safe, thank goodness, at least for now. And Zuko asks Noriko if she's happy where she is, and she replies, of course, this is this is where I belong. He smiles at this and he goes to leave and he's happy to see that she's happy where she is in this new life that she's built for herself. Uh, Norin then suddenly interrupts and tells him to reveal his true identity. So plot twist, he's he didn't get his memories erased either. Um, so Zuka then tells Noriko that he is her son and cut back to the forest after that revelation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> plot twist for her, at least. Uh Aang and Katara and Rafa and Misu are dealing with the angry spirit animals. Aang tries to tell Misu to leave, but she refuses until they've achieved their, their goal of getting, you know, Rafa a new face. Mm. In trying to defend them, Aang accidentally knocks off Rafa's mask, revealing his face has become a blank slate, which is kind of horrifying. Uh, but then again, we've seen that of the work of Ko the face stealer in the spirit world, so I'm not sure which one's scarier, <laughs> seeing mm. the faceless, was it a monkey or something in the spirit world, and then seeing like a human's... Ugh. Sorry, whenever they do these arcs of like, it reminds me of that episode of Doctor Who when people's faces got stolen and I'm just, cre yeah. <laughs> it's just creepy. It's just some creepy shit, guys. Um, Aang immediately recognizes uh, what happened to Rafa as the work of Ko the Face Stealer. And as soon as he says the name, the Mother of Faces suddenly stops the attack and asks him to repeat the name. When Aang explains the spirit, the Mother of Faces then reveals that Ko is her son. And they've been estranged since the beginning of time. Dun-dun-dun. Mm. Uh, More mother-son drama. Um, you called uh, it. You had a theory last week that they were somehow they, connected. Uh, yep. Ding-ding-ding, I win. I don't know. I just like bragging rights. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after hearing of Ko's recent history, the mother of faces holds onto Rafa's face, or what's left of it, and restores him. Uh, heals him of Ko, what Ko had done to him. Mm -hmm. The siblings then embrace and Aang then apologizes to the mother of faces for the selfishness of humans and that he was asking out of desperation to restore the relationship between a brother and a sister and between a mother and her son. Um, so I'm just really happy for Misu and Rafa for they finally got like years and years of trying to find, trying to help heal him and yeah. 
they finally got it. And that just makes me really happy to see. So back at Noren's house, Noren then apologizes for not telling the truth about Noriko and himself. And he was hoping that he would protect the life that he had built with her. Understandable. Mm-hmm. He explains to Noriko what her life was like before the village as a princess of the Fire Nation and the two children she had. Noren then admits this true name is Ekim. And at this Zuka says that maybe this is where he belongs with his mother, sister, and father. Mm-hmm. And Noren then says that's impossible. Uh, but before they can continue this conversation, they hear the sounds of a fight on the roof and Azula and Sokka then crash through. Uh, Azula, you know, then has that confrontation with her mother. And I've seen this panel multiple times on Tumblr because mm-hmm. people just like, that's where, again, that's where all our fandom corners come from. So of course I'm on Tumblr. <laughs> yeah. Um, Azula then turns to her mother and asks her if her second daughter is a replacement for her first monster. Um, Damn. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, Sokka then hits Azula with a boomerang in the back of the head while she is briefly incapacitated. Norn then tries to go rescue his wife, but Sokka helps him rescue with their daughter uh, to make sure she's safe first. Azula then recovers and pins her mother to the wall and is about to strike the final blow. Noriko then gently takes Azula's face in her hands and tells her if she's truly her mother... And she's sorry she didn't love her enough. Damn. Which, ooh. And then Azula's face in the panel, it's just, it's a lot. It's just a lot of emotions. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know it'd be hard for them to have a longer conversation at this point in the game, <laughs> but I do, just a little bit difficult. She's about to kill her. Yeah. But like, I hope at some point they have some kind of, like, I, I didn't know that there was more comics after this, so excuse my ignorance, but I kind of hope that they explore that a little bit more in future stories but yeah, anywho so put a pin in that for now Zuko the manages to stop her from killing their mother um and after Zuko redirects another lightning attack Azula tries to tell him that they can both be free she can be free of the voices in her head and he can be free of a throne that he never wanted so we did kind of talk a little bit about that in part two about yeah. Zuko you know kind of almost being resigned to not being Fire Lord anymore um and Zuko meanwhile just pulls his hair and you know puts the crown in his hair and admits that he has always known the throne to be his destiny he spared her on that cliff because no matter how bad their relationship has turned out to be he can't kill his sister Mm. azula then runs off tears in her eyes leaving behind the letter noriko and zuko try running after her and he tells her that he's just trying he wants to help her he wants to help her um but she tells her brother that even when he's strong he's weak and then she runs off into the forgetful valley and disappears uh, before they can do anything else about the Azula situation, the mother of faces reappears, and she asks Noriko if she wants to remember her old life. Zuko then tries to convince her not to, but Noriko then chooses to have her old face and her memories restored. The rest of the gang talk about how Azula will return at some point, and Aang thinks that she dropped the letter on purpose. Ursa then takes Zuko aside to give the same apology that she gave to Azula, feeling some regret for choosing to forget her children. Zuko believes that he's grown up fine despite the circumstances, which <laughs> still wanna, I still almost want to laugh at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, dude. Uh, before they can catch up on their lives, Zuko shows her the letter and asks her about the contents of it. Mm-hmm. We then get another flashback to Ursa and Ozai's confrontation about the letter after he reveals that Ikim is dead, quote unquote. She then tells him that of all that him of all people, he should know that Zuko is his kid. 
But Oza then reveals that he, yeah, and Oza's like, yeah, of course I knew. I've had spies on you, like, tracking your every move since our engagement started. Um, and then he asks her why she would say such a false thing in the letter. And she replies that it was just wishful thinking, that she wishes that Zuko was Ikem's son. Mm. Ozai then just grins this, like, horrible smile at her and says that, well, if you really wish that Zuko is your kid, then I'll treat him as such to fulfill your wish. I'll treat him like he's the son of a traitorous dog. And I could not, I did not think this man could get any worse, uh, in my opinion. And this just reached a whole new level of low for, for me. Like, that's just disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Uh, which we'll, we'll talk more about that once I finish the recap here. Zuko in the present then lets this sink in that Ozai truly is his father. Ursa then wishes to tell him about her life in Hara before she met Ozai. And Zuko says that he wants to hear it all. Ursa replies, for you, my dear, I'll start at the beginning. And that ends the search. Yeah. <sighs> so I have a quick headcanon that okay. I hope actually happens. So the one thing, the one thing that I was missing from the end of this was Ursa reacting to Zuko's scar and finding out how he got it because she would Whoa. have no way to know. And I just have this headcanon that Zuko lets Ursa return to um, the Fire Nation Palace. Ursa goes to visit Ozai with some tea and they talk and she's like, well, you shouldn't have burned my son because remember that poison I gave you to Azulon? It's in your tea, sweetie. And then that's it. I, love I that. would love, love, I love, love that, that to happen. So bad. Now I know I needed that. I don't think Zuko would let her, but come on, Zuko. I want like, that. I want it. I want it. <laughs> Oh my god, how amazing would that be? Like I need it. I need it. But we we do sort of end a little bit on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Because I I did not expect it to end this way. And also Mm -hmm. I was kind of ignorant on like I didn't even realize there was more Avatar comics after this. Uh, (laughs) so I was kind of like, that's it? That's that's how it ends? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I was expecting something. I don't know what the white word is. I don't know if bigger is the right word for it. But maybe because the last like comic had a bit of a big confrontation, maybe because I was expecting something like that, sure. uh, maybe just left over from the promise. But I don't know. And also, like, I also I remember we talked about being a little bit concerned about like Zuko's, uh, you know, parents and stuff like that of like you know the possibility mm-hmm. of Ozai not being Zuko's dad I remember you talked about like well I don't want them to undercut his you know redemption arc with this because you know like it goes against what the whole redemption arc was about that you know it's not right. about who whose blood you share it's about your own choices and stuff like that so I'm glad that they didn't ruin that same I, I had some faith I had some faith in them for not going that route <laughs> yeah. but like again it just made me hate Ozai even more and of just like his just awful treatment of his kid. And just it makes it even worse that he was just like, yeah, he's my own flesh and blood. But I'm still going to like treat him as if he's not. And just yeah. it's just disgusting. Yeah. It makes it even worse. <laughs> and we also I mean, Azula's arc was a little bit open ended as well. You know, yeah. um, I don't think I obviously don't think she got the closure that she wanted. If anything, no. I think she's even more confused now. Uh, yeah. about how she really feels. Especially um, with, like, how tenderly, like, Mariko slash, you know, Ursa had treated her even before she was about to kill her. 
Well, yeah, because her, her actions are driven by what Ozai would do, right? To get revenge. But when she's confronted with, with her mother, like for real, I think like the more compassionate side of her, however, you know, small it might be is very present, you know, and I'm interested to see how this sort of transforms her relationship with Zuko. And I don't know if the further comics um, pick up on this or if this is just the last time we see Azula um, until, you know, like season two of Korra where everyone thinks that Fire Nation healer is actually Azula. Um, yeah. And, and so I don't know. I mean, overall, yeah, it was definitely a lot more open-ended than The Promise. I feel like The Promise ended with a little bit... Uh, uh, like, it ended pretty only- finally, but it still yeah. was like this conflict is going to take a while to... You know, yeah, and there's still the threads open of Zuko wanting to find his mother. Um, so is yeah. that like so that was kind of left open ended, but overall the arc was felt pretty complete for the promise. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I, it, it, the promise and the search almost kind of read as like a part one and part two of each other. So yeah. I don't know, you know, when they originally like commissioned the comics, I don't know if they just initially commissioned these two and the other ones were just because the first two performed so well, so or well. if it was just yeah. like a one by one basis. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of figuring out the true answer to what happened Zuko's to, to what happened to Zuko's mother, um, I mean, I'm pretty satisfied. It was definitely a very creative, different approach. Yeah. Approach for sure. You know, definitely not something I expected. And again, if you just summarized it for me on paper without any context of the story, I'd be like, are you on drugs? Um, but I mean, you know, it's I will say as someone who read like what happened to her, it was a little weird to read that and not oh, was see it really it happen. Yeah, I will say that I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> that's what, that's what happened to her. That's what I've been dying to know for, you know, well, however long. <laughs> exactly. And I, I could like try to explain like in my group chat of everyone who hasn't read the comic books, I could try to explain it and they would think that I've lost my mind. But I don't know, there's there's something also just like, I guess, charming about that, about the way because that is Avatar and that could be said for a lot of like plot points in Avatar, too. You yeah. know, like lion turtle, like example, like a lot of the spirit world stuff definitely the, needs the to spirit be world seen. shenanigans. Yeah, it needs to be seen and like and like I'm not just I'm not like I'm not gonna like you know disregard like reading some of that stuff in the Kyoshi novels, but it feels like it needs to be more. You need to go on that journey with the characters. Yes. It can't just be read in like an Avatar wiki. Irony, I know, uh, but like fresh, you know, just read it Avatar wiki like I did uh, yeah. before years ago um, and just like not experience it for yourself of like either reading the story and reading the descriptions or reading the comic book and seeing the panels, you know, so it just it's some of these things I agree definitely need to be experienced as opposed to just summarized, you know. Yeah, I definitely think the characters and their motivations really anchor the more fantastical elements of of the story for sure. Um, I just want to read this like quick blurb about um, the reception to this uh, comic book. So it said the search part three, this is of course after our wiki, the search part three was hailed by speak geeky to me as an absolutely amazing comic and by far the best of the avatar comics released so far, praising the artistry and storytelling and giving it a full 10 out of 10. Angela Sylvia of the Fandom Post was also enamored, saying of the answer to the Zuko's mom question, it's nothing like what I expected, and it is still so satisfying. She also gave the comic a perfect score. So basically what we just said. 
Well received. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it said here that one thing Michael Di- Michael DiMartino had always been mulling over in concern to Ursa's whereabouts was that amnesia was the factor that kept her from contacting her children for so many years, long before her complete fate had been mapped out in the plot of the search. So that factor at least had had been, you know, because you had, you had to have a good reason for why she wouldn't be in contact with her children if she wasn't dead, you know. Yeah, and oh, one other thing that I guess we could take away from that is is that Zuko technically has a half sister. Yeah, a little half sister, which I love. I hope I get to see more of them together. Yeah, um, I think actually now that I think of it, I might have seen like a panel from the next part of this story because I'm. God damn it, Kayla! I know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just sorry. Kidding. <laughs> it just keeps happening to me. It's what happens. No, when it's, I'm on okay. it's okay. It's <laughs> okay. But just something of like about, you know, the like uh Ursa's new you know, daughter not recognizing having a hard time recognizing her with a new face or new to her, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what I saw. So I'm like, okay, there definitely is a more another part to this because I didn't see that in the in the search. <laughs> yeah. uh, don't mind me. But uh and it's it's very interesting seeing the it was interesting with that one like one of the quick interactions we had with Zuko and Azula and now we know it's their half sister, you know, like very interesting sibling dynamics already. <laughs> yeah, so I'm interested to see if that gets explored. But yeah, yeah, overall, loved it about this about what I expected in terms of quality. You know, Avatar continues yeah. to uh, not disappoint. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, with that, let's move on to our fandom corner for this week, which again comes from Tumblr. Uh, so it has. So this is focusing on uh, Katara and Zuko's relationship. It's referring more so to season three. So this person says, for me, the symbolism and importance of bloodbending is that Katara is always viewed fire and water as opposite. Water is cool and soothing, and fire is destructive. Mm-hmm. But bloodbending forced her to wrestle with the ways that a waterbender can be evil and a Fire Nation citizen can be innocent. That's why Katara is able to forgive Zuko and accept him as a part of their group. She recognizes herself in him, and him in her. Mm, yeah definitely so i think i think this is also pretty present in the puppet master episode absolutely katara sees like just how violent waterbending could actually be yeah you know and also shows for the viewers too i mean a lot of season three is kind of dedicated to you know especially with things like the episodes like the footloose episode and like i said the the puppet master episode Mm -hmm. um and even sokka's master showing you know kind of continuing off of what happened in the the Winter Solstice episode when you see that not all firebenders, not all Fire Nation citizens are out to get them. Yeah. Um, and not everyone that you think would be on their side is good, you know. And, and you know, those who are against the Fire Nation aren't always good people, you know. As we see, we, we also is kind of a continuation of what we saw in um, the Avatar State episode. Uh, with, was it General Fong? I can't remember names. I'm so bad with that. But yeah, yeah, the yeah. Pers- yeah. yeah. Uh, and. Yeah, it's something we did something, you know, it continues off of that and kind of shows the more of the moral, you know, um, kind of explores more of the morality of different sides that not everyone on the bad guy's side is a bad guy and not everyone on the right. good guy's side is a good guy, you know. So, yay, complications. We love complex things. In, and then that's, that's stuff like that gave me faith that they wouldn't do like a... Um, with like the whole question of Zuko's father and stuff like that, that mm-hmm. like that stuff like that gave me faith they wouldn't undercut one of the best things about the show sure. uh, with you know 
something like that. So, but yeah. that ends our fandom corner for this week. If you'd like to submit another fandom corner, we'll give you all the information at the end of the episode to send in your own thoughts and memes and headcanons and theories. But awesome. what do you, so let's move over to our recommendation section. What would you recommend for this week, Andre? Um, I'm pretty sure I don't have to recommend it because I think a lot of people are already seeing it. But I went to see uh, the new Batman film over the weekend, and it is pretty much everything everyone says it is. It is, um, I'm going to say surprisingly good. Um, I remember when this first this movie was first announced, I did the biggest eye roll because I was just I have I have a love hate relationship with Batman anything. Yeah. Um, and I don't think anything can kind of top um, the Gotham TV show because I think that's just my favorite Batman media ever. Um, so I was really wary going into this because I didn't know if I was going to love it. I was too scared. I was scared that it was going to be like the Joker movie where just the whole time the director was like, oh, look how clever I'm being. But no, this is just it's just so good. <laughs> For me, it's good in a surprising way. Like I just I, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, apart from saying like. You know, the movie actually, like, understands Batman in a way a lot of other Batman media doesn't. So is it better um, than the Lego Batman movie? <laughs> I'm not, I haven't seen the Lego Batman movie, you gotta which see I should. the Lego Batman movie. It's which like, I should. I, okay, I'll, I'll let you know when I eventually see the Batman if I think that it's the... But honestly, Lego Batman understands Batman better than a lot of other of those movies. So just, <laughs> That's just what telling I hear you the truth too. right there. That's what's what even I hear funnier too. is that Zoe Kravitz also played Catwoman in that movie too. So. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I still haven't seen the Batman yet, but honestly, I you know I might go see it this weekend. I don't have a whole lot going on, kind of most to try to relax. So maybe that'll mm. be something I can do. Um, yeah, I just appreciated it. It was a it was a fresh take. It it definitely had a. Is it actually? Is, okay, I'm glad to hear there's actually a fresh take because like yeah, I'm it, annoyed with like the grim dark Batman. Oh, well, you know? see, the, but that's that's why I was scared. <laughs> that's why I thought that's all we get. And there is that, but there's also. Um, a, like just a sprinkle of campiness in it that because it is it's like, comic like book the, stuff yeah you know? I, I kind of so, got more annoyed when like batman doesn't like have like some of the camp in it because let's face it some of the villains are like someone makes the villains in batman so good is just how absurd they are like yeah you know yeah but no i think this this film has a perfect blend of the dark gritty stuff but also just the campiness of comic book movies and just like kind of like just how sometimes how ridiculous things pan out, you know, but it's, it's, it was just really entertaining. I, I just, I loved it. So I That's highly recommend it. Even if you're not like a comic book movie fan or whatever, just go and see it. It's just, it's really, really good. And I was really surprised with Robert Pattinson's performance. I actually really, really liked him. He was the part Bruce that Wayne. I had more faith in than anybody, than anything else in that movie. I'm like, I'm sure I'll do a good job, you know? Yeah. Whatever. I was mainly going for Zoe Kravitz cause I love Zoe Kravitz, but she yeah. also did a phenomenal job. Too. Just everyone did great. Okay, then I, maybe I'll go check it out this weekend and I'll text you my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> so mine's kind of switching gears to my recommendation for the week. It's not a movie or a TV show or anything like that for me this week. Um, honestly, sometimes some weeks if I'm not, I haven't watched like a new thing or 
bought something new. I kind of sometimes struggle with coming up with a recommendation for the week. Um, mm. But uh, this week, especially because this week um, I, it's been kind of rough for me, honestly. Um, you know, I've been pretty open about my mental health struggles. I am on, med, you know, I'm on antidepressants. I have, I, I struggle with depression and anxiety. So it's been kind of a rough week for me um, in that regard. But um, some of the things that help me as someone who deals with my own mental health issues is journaling. Um, something I've been doing for on and off for years now, but have been doing more consistently. Um, and I highly recommend it this week because, uh, well, it's helped me get through a lot. It helps me to process uh, writing has always helped me process things, but even if you're having a good day, journaling works. Uh, it's how I do it is I kind of just allow myself to feel exactly, feel all of my feelings, you know, just write exactly how I'm feeling without worrying, without censoring it or trying to put like, uh, you know, trying to find some sort of positive spin on it. Just letting me feel, letting, my, letting myself feel how I'm feeling, yeah. whether it's shitty or happy or anything like that. Um, and then usually I kind of try to follow up with something, you know, not something like, you know, the Facebook positivity. It's not like that. It's more like, well, here's what I can do now. I'm going to take a nice bath with my favorite, you know, lavender bath soak stuff. And I'm going to go to bed earlier and I'm going to sleep in tomorrow. Um, that's kind of my approach with journaling. And I just, you know, what's nice about journaling is that you can do whatever you want with it. You find what works for you. My journaling style has changed a lot over the years. I started mm -hmm. it as like, writing three to five things that I did that day that I'm proud of, which could range from anything from getting a good grade on a test to making sure I had a salad with dinner, you know. Um, so basically, you don't have to follow any particular parameters for journaling. You make it your own and kind of transforming your journal into your own safe space. Um, it's helped me through a lot of things and, you know, it doesn't magically make you feel better. I will tell you that. Sometimes I finish a journal entry and I'm like, well, I don't feel much better. But it might not make you feel better right away, but it gives you a space to just feel and to not worry about like, and to not let yourself judge yourself for how you're feeling, you know? Yeah. So that's my recommendation for the week. It's a little bit more, you know, self-help, mental health stuff, but I hope that it helps somebody out there. Yeah, absolutely. I second that on journaling. I love journaling, um, especially you know, when you get in those those like cycles of like repetitive thinking, a lot of intrusive thoughts, um, it's really um, beneficial to just get it down on paper. And I find that if I'm constantly having, you know, anxious thoughts about a particular thing, if I just kind of like write it out and almost just kind of write out, OK, what would actually happen if I if this did happen, then I find that I th I think about it a lot less and it gives me more mental and emotional space to deal with other things. So um, I know it can be intimidating for people. I recommend yeah. it to people and they're just like, uh, I don't know. You, you like, don't have to. What's great though is that you don't have to do proper. You don't have to have like, you don't have to spell. Every, I, I do a lot of abbreviations when I journal. Some days if I don't have the energy to do complete sentences, I just bullet, yeah. you know, write bullet yeah. points, you know. Again, you make it how you want to. You give yourself the freedom to express yourself. You do it the way you want to. Yeah. We've shared how we handle things, but you don't have to take what we do, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So. There's no rules. You just do whatever makes you feel comfortable. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you shared that. Thanks for sharing that, Andre, yeah. that you journal and what you do with it. Yeah. Um, we're just happy to, you know, we hope that, you know, 
when we have our recommendations, you know, that, you know, maybe that'll help someone find a new show that they like or a new movie or a new book or something fun to get on, you know, something fun to shop for or whatever. Um, but we also hope that with these recommendations, you know, when, on days like this, we recommend something that's going to ultimately help your mental health. Um, that's we hope that it helps somebody out there who might be listening to our podcast and, yeah, for sure. you know, kind of doing the same thing that we're doing right now, you know, taking an hour mm -hmm. to just, you know, think about another fictional world and discuss that in depth and things like that. Um, so anyhow, <laughs> thanks for listening to that part. If you made it this long of the podcast, we really appreciate you listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, if you'd like to keep up to date on what we do here at the Avatar Hour podcast, we are on TikTok at the Avatar Hour pod and on Instagram and Facebook at the Avatar Hour podcast and on Twitter at Avatar Hour. And like I said before, we're always looking for more fandom corner entries. So if you've got any good ones, whether it's a headcanon or a theory, something that you came up with, something that you saw on another site, um, or even memes, we love memes, send it our way in through our direct messages, or you can email us at theavatarhourpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want some more Avatar Hour in your life, then consider signing up for our Patreon uh, for as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month. You can access our show notes, ad-free editions of our episodes, monthly schedules, Zoom recordings, and so much more. If you sign up for our $5 Air Acolyte level, you also gain access to our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour, which is only available at that level. So it's an extra exclusive benefit. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if you can, please leave a review. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you guys next time. My name is Andre. And I'm Kayla. Bye, Bye everyone. everyone.